0: All right, people, this is the Rubin Report Direct Message, and according to the paperwork I was just handed, I am Dave Rubin. All right, very exciting. Uh, Today is a big day. We've got three stories for you today that we went through last night. I was like, you know what, let's see if we can get a little ahead of the game. Let's see what's happening Uh, the day before we do our Tuesday show this week, let's see if we can just find some things. And then I always say to my guys, but because it's not just that we live in a 24 hour news cycle anymore, we more so live in a every second news cycle. I was like, you know, something might happen in the morning and we're gonna have to adjust the stories accordingly. Uh, So I don't know if you heard about this, um, but apparently at this very moment within the last hour, it's all happening right now, uh, Donald Trump, President Trump, I know some people think he's not the president or he's not their president or something like that. Apparently, he's still the president for everybody. Uh, He is at the White House uh, with the Israeli prime minister and uh, people from the United Arab Emirates and the Kingdom of Bahrain, and they've just signed this massive peace deal. So this wasn't even one of the stories I wanted to cover today. I do want to just talk about it briefly, uh, and then we'll move on, and obviously, this is going to be an ongoing thing up until election day, and then, and then we'll have repercussions far past election day. But there is something absolutely massive that cannot be overstated happening in the world right now. Uh, as I said last week, it's like, I thought the thing that we all wanted, it didn't matter if you were a Democrat or a Republican or liberal or a conservative, I thought we all wanted Middle East peace, right? Like what's the thing that none of us can have, but everyone can agree with that peace in the Middle East, right? That that seems like a good thing. We all seem to want it. We always talk about it. That goes across uh political spectrum, right? Whether you you like peace or not, everyone seems to want it. Uh, well, it seems to actually be happening. It has started with this United Arab Emirates-Israel uh, deal, now the Kingdom of Bahrain. There are rumors that now this could be announced with Saudi Arabia and some of the other Gulf states. Like, this is this is incredible stuff. Now, I get it. You might hate Trump, you might not like the hair. Again, you don't like the way he tweets, all of those things. But there's something actually incredible happening. I think there is a shift happening in the world and it's it's a little, it can be uncomfortable. I get it, like we know the world in a certain way. There are certain things, and in a weird way, it's like if there isn't peace, then we know the world, right? Oh, well that, it's just the Middle East. There's no peace there. These people hate each other. They're always going to hate each other. They're always fighting. Blah blah blah. And then it's like, oh well, we know something for a fact. And and in a weird way, these days, we don't know a lot of things for a fact, right? It seems like facts are constantly being debated. I I always say there's a there's a war uh, for reality happening right now. I believe this. You believe this. Reality probably somewhere in between, and it's very hard to ascertain what that is these days. So in a weird way, I think a lot of people right now, you're seeing a huge amount of support for this deal, it's its incredible. It seems absolutely incredible to me. Hopefully I can get some experts on uh, to talk about it in the next couple of weeks. weeks. Um, but then you're seeing other people that sort of aren't excited because either it's associated with Trump or they're so invested in the old world. And I think that that's one of the shifts that we're, we're having right now. You know, if you think back to the beginnings of the lockdown, even related to, to COVID and all that, uh, one of the things that I was talking about and I, I heard some other people saying similar things, was that the old world is ending. Like now that we're like six, seven months into this thing, doesn't it feel like February was a lifetime ago? Doesn't it feel like February is the old world? It feels like the old world when you used to go out to a restaurant with a friend and not have to wear a mask when you're in a supermarket. And I think related to this Middle East thing, it's like a lot of people don't want to let go of the old world. Now that doesn't mean that the new world is automatically good, right? I mean, this is always what my problem with progressives are: you can't just be for progress; you have to be for progressing towards something that's more just, more more uh, based in a, in true equality, and things of that nature. But you also can't just hold on to the things because that's how you know how the world is. And I think a lot of people right now, especially the the, the Trump deranged people, or a lot of the people that were part of the Obama administration and the rest of it. You're seeing their tweets right now. It's like they're not they don't seem to be for Middle East peace. and in a weird way, it's not just because it's Trump that's helping deliver it. It's also because they were invested in an old world and an old fight. And sometimes you got to let go of some of the old stuff so you can build some new stuff. So anyway, it's just an absolutely incredible thing. And I, I watch a little bit of the speeches right before. and and who knows? It doesn't mean, you know, just because you you sign the paper that you're gonna have peace all the time and, and nothing bad will happen and there won't be negative elements in any, if not all of the societies that will try to, try to rip up those documents. But there's trade, there's travel. It, it's something new is starting. And one of the reasons that I'm not one of the hysterical people right now, relative to the entire world, is that I think there's a chance to, to write a new future, to blaze a new path. And I think a lot of us are doing it. A lot of us are doing it, and I think if you're watching this, hopefully you're one of the people that that sees that and you're willing to go, oh, I knew the world a certain way before this, uh, but now I know it a different way. and and uh, And that could be pretty good too. So peace in the Middle East. Again, people, I don't wanna be controversial here. I try not to be very controversial, but peace in the Middle East, I think it's a good thing. Uh, but as I said before, that was not one of the three stories we planned on doing today. We will be touching it obviously over the next couple of weeks. Uh, the three stories that I wanted to get to, uh, two of them are sort of related, uh, and then one of them's COVID-related. First off, uh, I'll start with this story out of the University of Chicago because this is this is so depressing in light of what's been happening to all of our universities and from. University of Chicago specifically. So University of Chicago has done one of the best jobs of defending free speech on college campuses. Uh, It's pointed to by many academics and many political people and everything else as, oh, you guys are exaggerating that free speech is being slammed on college campuses because look at the University of Chicago. They've issued this statement. They did this a while back, almost two years ago, I think, uh, issued a statement in defense of free speech. Their president, has spoken out in defense of free speech many times, they seem to have done things correctly. That's the way it's been going for the last two or three years at the University of Chicago. As a matter of fact, on the website of the University of Chicago, there is a six minute, about a six and a half minute video where the president of the university talks about why the defense of free speech is so intrinsic to their university and should be an intrinsic value of all universities, of all places of higher education. So we're gonna show you just 30 seconds, just the first 30 seconds of that video, just to show you that this is a place where it was working. They were doing the right thing. And as you can probably tell, there's a butt coming. But first, let's just take a look, 30 seconds. This is on the University of Chicago website, their defense of free speech. The University of Chicago started, unlike many universities, as a research university from the very beginning. This meant that people came here because they wanted to be in a serious intellectual environment that would produce ideas of lasting importance and value. Since its inception, the University of Chicago has believed the most empowering education takes place in this environment of open discourse and free expression. This stamped the University of Chicago and has lasted till the present day. Okay, so the video goes on for another six minutes or so, and it's a lot of that. It's a lot of, we will defend free speech. It's a lot of, this is the purpose of why we're here. It's a lot of, this is why universities exist, so you can exchange ideas, you can become uncomfortable. You can become comfortable with thoughts that maybe you were uncomfortable with. You can learn from people who maybe know a little bit more about you. And the only way you can do that is with a robust defense of free speech. So this is exactly why University of Chicago has been appropriately lauded for their defense of free speech. And uh, that was all good. I said there was a but coming and I just said was in the previous sentence. So here's the but and the was. Uh, because now the University of Chicago's English department says it will only accept applicants who work in black studies. Let me just say that again very clearly, and then I'm gonna read their statement. The University of Chicago's English department says it will only accept applicants who will work in black studies. And let me just read the statement for you because it pretty much stands on its own. For the 2020-2021 graduate admissions cycle, the University of Chicago English department is accepting only applicants interested in working in and with black studies. English as a discipline has a long history of providing aesthetic rationalizations for colonization, exploitation, extraction, and anti-blackness. Our discipline is responsible for developing hierarchies of cultural production that have contributed directly to social and systemic determinations of whose lives matter and why. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a load of bunk. Um, You can see why this is not a place that will be defending free speech anymore. They have decided that they will only accept applicants, a department, the English department, in the university is saying we're only interested in having you as part of our graduate program if you study this. Now let's let's try a different version of this. Imagine if the statement that I read to you was that the University of Chicago's English department says it will only accept applicants who will work in white studies. What What would be the word that people would call that? There's a word, racist, right? That would be racist. Uh, we will only accept applicants who will work in Asian studies. What? We will only accept applicants who will work in Jewish studies, in Muslim studies, any of these things. These these are, this is a crazy, an absolutely crazy premise. And it brings me to something that, that I've talked a bunch about, and I, I usually hit this on Twitter more. I, I addressed it yesterday. Um, but one of the things that a few of the names that you guys know of uh, that have been attacking social justice, I think, in in the most effective ways. So uh, James Lindsay and Peter Boghossian, uh, Gadsad, there's a couple other people. One of the things that they've all been talking about, and I've been talking about as well, is that once social justice enters into an institution, it automatically destroys that institution. And I think that this is a perfect example of it because the University of Chicago offered, as I said, a robust defense of free speech. Now the English department is saying, we will only accept applicants who wanna study this specific thing. You wanna study something else, you're not welcome here. Well, now they've let that into the system. And once that gets into the system, do you think it's only gonna stay in the English department? No, it's going to leak into the sociology department, it's going to leak into all of the other departments, it'll leak into the STEM departments and everything else, and it will take down the university. Check what happened at Evergreen State, we know this. And it's not just places of higher education, although you'd have to be high to think you're getting an education there. Uh, It's not just places of higher education because we know this is what happens at all of the companies that do this, and this is why the phrase go woke, go broke seems to work because ESPN let social justice into their network, right? Which is supposed to be about sports, and next thing you know, they're giving, uh, who's the trans, give me the trans woman, the trans woman that was part of the Kardashians, whatever the hell her name is, she's getting the ESPY. Can I get her name, Michael, get me her name, the trans woman who who won the ESPY. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, right? So hard to keep up with all of these people. Caitlyn Jenner wins the ESPY for like athlete of the year a couple weeks, a a couple years ago, and it's like nobody's against Bruce Jenner now calling himself Caitlyn Jenner. No one's against trans people. Blah blah blah. But now you're making your sports network about things that have very little to do with sports. That's why this thing will infect all of the hosts and destroy them from the inside. But but there's even something more to that, which is once once you allow this bad set of ideas to creep into everything, you then are off mission, right? So like whatever your business is, let's say your business is making widgets. You make widgets for the big machines that use widgets, okay? Well, what you wanna do as a widget company is make the best widget possible. And you don't care if the guy making the widget is black or white or gay or straight or anything else. But once you let in, social justice and you say, you know, we do need a certain amount of black widget makers and we need a certain amount of lesbian widget makers and a certain amount of this widget maker or that widget maker, you've now taken your eye off the ball and you're starting to put attention on things that don't deserve attention. On top of the fact that you're also gonna then suddenly be welcoming lawsuits, and all sorts of people who will import grievance culture into your organization. So the reason that I thought this story was so important was that if you're watching this and you still think that this thing is only on college campuses, well, I think there's very few people who think that at this moment because now we're seeing it leak out into every part of society, but even Chicago University, University of Chicago, which was one of the few places that was offering any last defense on this, even they will now crumble because of this, and we'll see. What I think will be interesting now is, it's on you, University of Chicago President, it's on you, because now you were the one, you did the talk in that video that we just played, right? You've, you've written out your statement of principles of how you're gonna defend free speech. Now, a defense of free speech wouldn't be saying we only want you in the English department if you wanna study black studies. That's not a defense of free speech, that's, that's a assault on free speech. Um, so now it's on you, and we will now see can an administrator fight the faculty? And and we need all these fights. You know, when I started talking about the Middle East Peace thing, what I was talking about was the old wor- world versus the new world. Well, in this new world, we're gonna need administrators to be fighting faculty. We're gonna be needing donors to either cut money or put money into certain universities to fight all this stuff. So it, it's a depressing story in a certain way, but if the university actually fights it, then maybe something good will happen. I am not gonna hold my breath and I wouldn't recommend that you hold your breath either. All right, so uh, the second story I wanted to cover is sort of an offshoot of that because it it is related to Black Lives Matter and how the wider movement related to all of this is actually disintegrating all of the societal norms that we have. Um, and with that old world, new world thing in mind, it's like, it doesn't mean that everything we've always had here is perfect. Now it's been pretty freaking good. And in 200, you know, 50 rough years of the United States, we've done an awful lot of good. And we also fought a civil war to end slavery. And as far as I know, we're the quickest country to ever eliminate slavery that had it. And we've, given opportunity and all the things that you all know. We've done it pretty right in the United States, but we seem to be saying that is now up for debate and we're gonna just destroy all of the norms, but it's not just the norms about looking at our history through a correct lens. Like it's it's not just like, oh, the 1619 project is right and America was founded on slavery and is evil, which even the people who created uh, the 1619 project are now saying it wasn't totally fact-based. It's more that our norms of how we behave with each other are starting to crumble. Um, So I'm gonna show you a video, uh, about 30 seconds of video, where Black Lives Matter protesters uh, go to a DC restaurant, and in effect, they make the patrons of the restaurant perform Simon Says. This is beyond ridiculous. I don't think I can offer it any other commentary than that. So let's go to the videotape. Because we don't want to sit on freedom fighters, oh, freedom fighter. fighting against police violence. <laughs> why we have to allow people it's in this space. Thank you for your hard cooperation. Let's get the, the good, Do I need to say anything else? Do I need to add commentary to that video? Um, Imagine you're out for dinner. You're out with your wife, your husband, your friend, your child. You're having a burger, you're having a steak, maybe a salad, maybe wings. I know that Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, says that wings aren't a meal, but maybe you're having wings for dinner. I believe that wings are a meal. Uh, the fact that the governor of New York has even had to issue a statement telling us what food or is or isn't a meal uh, is part of a much bigger problem. Um, but you're, you're out to dinner. Now, of course, you're not inside a restaurant because if you go inside a restaurant, uh, you could be killed. We'll get to that story in just a second. Uh, but you're sitting outside and then a bunch of people come by. Now, it does not matter if these people are well-intentioned or not. It does not matter whether these people are right or not. The idea that people are now walking down streets to interrupt people from having dinner or doing whatever private thing that they're doing. And and by the way, it's not just when people are having dinner. We're seeing people stop cars in the middle of streets. Uh, We're seeing people throw things at people and block traffic and just the the, the litany of things that we all know is going on right now. Um, So when I say that society is having some disintegration problem, that's the example of it. Because put aside, that these people that are following the orders you're at dinner next thing you know someone shows up and you start behaving the way they want you to behave jump monkey jump up and down like no have a little bit of self respect have a have a little bit of a little bit of belief in yourself or or something about your own autonomy or something it's just gross but putting aside the people that were there that just wanted to have dinner that then feel this awful pressure because they don't want to be called racist and they don't want to be put in a viral video and the rest of it, although they all got put in a viral video. The idea that because you feel something about Black Lives Matter, or you feel whatever it is that you feel, that you have the right to then start yelling at people and demanding they jump up and down and say what you want and interrupt people from living their lives. That is a disintegration of society that I'm, in a weird way, I'm more worried about than all of the political craziness, because, we don't really have much of anything that will that will keep a sort of national cohesion together if at the very least we can't let people go out to dinner, we can't let people play basketball, we can't let people do some casual things that have nothing to do with this. And if you're walking around thinking that your cause is so just and so right that you get to do whatever you want and interrupt people however you want. You may have seen this video that also went viral of. Of a woman screaming at a bunch of white people on a plane about how she's the queen and the days of white privilege are over. And it was like, congratulations, lady, you, you just created a lot of Trump supporters right there, beyond making a fool of yourself and everything else. Um and there's so many instances of this where the basic things that we all thought were okay that you could go to a restaurant that you could get on a plane, that politics wasn't everywhere, and that people weren't going to be fighting with you all over the place. Those things seem to be disintegrating. We've got, to come back from this. And I think it starts with having a little self-respect. So I know that that story in and of itself isn't like the the craziest thing, but I thought it was worth addressing. um, Because if you are somewhere having wings for dinner, um, don't don't listen to people who show up and make you jump up and down and repeat after them. That's what the bad guys do. They They think they're the good guys, but most bad guys usually do think they're the good guys, right? And that that is the problem there. Uh, so an offshoot of that story, which will get us to our third story of the day is that uh, Dr. Fauci, who's basically been the sort of public facing face of uh, the COVID response from the administration uh, is now saying that the US won't get back to normal until late 2021. So before I read his statement, I just wanna back up a little bit. And you may remember, this was probably around April, May or so, when suddenly we went from, oh, we had the month where we had to flatten the curve. That's what we were told, we had to flatten the curve. And we basically flattened the curve everywhere. Um, and then and then they said, well, then everything will open up again. And then we'll get to herd immunity because some people will get sick and some people will be resistant and hopefully we'll find a vaccine and all of this. And I remember very specifically, there there was a day When there started to be this rumor floating around that in California, the governor, our our wonderful emperor Gavin Newsom and our mayor here in L.A., Eric Garcetti, they were saying, no, the lockdowns are going to have to go till August 1st, August 1st. And people were like, no, that's never going to happen. No one will stand for it. And I remember thinking, well, they probably are gonna stand for it and they'll probably just let it roll right past August 1st. And yes, of course it did roll past August 1st. And I don't know if you know this, but we're now in September. Let me read this statement by Fauci because it really is something. And I think it gets to the the heart of what's wrong here. Fauci says, but by the time you mobilize the distribution of the vaccine and get a majority or more of the population vaccinated and protected, that's likely not going to happen until the end of 2021. If you're talking about getting back to a degree of normality prior to COVID, it's going to be well into 2021, towards the end of 2021. So he's not talking about flattening the curve anymore. We're talking about things about the majority or more of people being vaccinated. We can talk about vaccines in in a different show altogether. Uh, But this is just, this is, if we were in a war right now, and in a certain way we are in a war with COVID and with with the lockdowns, this is what you call mission creep. You get us into a situation here and then suddenly we're very, very different. We're in a very different place than we were in before all this happened. And next thing you know, you still can't go to the movies and you're maybe can go to a restaurant, but what's gonna happen to you at the restaurant? A bunch of well-meaning people are gonna make you do Simon Says. We're in a weird spot, people. That's why I'm doing this show, to hopefully give you a little sanity. Hopefully I gave you a little something a little something to think about. Uh, And reminder, you can watch all of these videos right here on the YouTube or on the Blaze website. And we've got more. We're doing this live now every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific. That's 2 p.m. Eastern. And we're gonna add some post-debate shows and a whole bunch of other stuff. And uh, let me know your thoughts in the comments right down below. Have a good day.